This episode is brought to you by my go-to meal prep company, Flex Pro Meals. I love Flex Pro because it tastes great, first and foremost, but also the ordering page makes it easy and has all the macro and nutritional info listed out for you for every single meal. There are 35 macro balanced options starting at just $4.19, and they have next day delivery to all 50 U.S. states. High protein, low carb, keto, gluten-free, you name it, they got it. You can use code CPRICE for 40% off your first order for a limited time. That's 40%. That's huge. So check them out, Flex Pro Meals. Welcome visionaries, dreamers, and trailblazers to the Casually Ambitious Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Price, and I am thrilled to embark on this journey with you. Here, we dive deep into the realms of wellness, entrepreneurship, and mindset. Let's build a life we love while loving the life we live. The adventure to a more mindful, purposeful, and casually ambitious life starts now. There he is. Yo, yo. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. You got one? You already know. You already oh, know. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> you already knew. Oh, I knew I, you were gonna have one too, so I was like, "All right, I gotta have it right next to me. I gotta be ready." Yo, I gotta, I gotta show you this. I'm so I'm getting ready to sign with them. Actually, the contract's supposed to come in today. Nice. Fuck yeah. So. Oh, on deck. Let's see the drawer, baby. Let's go. Oh, Let's go. He's ready, man. <laughs> I love it. I freaking love it. It is wild. I know. I dude, everybody asks me about it. They're like, is it worth it? I'm like, yes. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yes. Is it worth it? Yes. And nobody wants to pull the trigger. It is expensive, but nobody wants to pull the trigger because they're like, I'm like, dude, it comes out to like three dollars a shot. Come on. Yeah. It's I mean, it's the same thing as like getting uh like I did a lot of the turmeric shots, the little, you know, that you buy it fucking Sun Life Organic or wherever. And that's yep. the same thing. Like you buy any shot and it's three to four, it's $5 sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Way more at a juice shop and it's like prepackaged. You can fly with it. It's TSA approved. That's the other cool thing. I got to get you on boost. Okay. So it's MSW is the company and it's boost. So what I'll, and that's what I have in here. So it's a, almost a full panel of daily vitamins. Okay. With 95 milligrams of caffeine. Okay. So I shoot it together. Nice. I didn't realize we were slinging products at the intro of the pod, bro. Let's go. It's rocking. <laughs> Let's go. Man. So I'm rolling. I'm recording. If that's cool with you, we'll just dive in. Yep. Finish her off. Absolutely. Have you taken it yet? I already took it. I ripped it. So do the honors, bro. I can't. Have you seen the videos of me trying to open it? No. It, it, it's like a whole series of me like trying to open the key and it just never works. I talked to, I talked to, you know, Parker Stinson, the runner. Yeah. I talked to him last week and he's like, bro, I can't get over the taste, man. I yacked. I like, I can't taste it without throwing up. I'm like, it's bad, but it's not that bad. Not that bad. Someone, someone posted, um, the other day, an NBDM athlete and she's like hot take. I'm starting to enjoy the taste. And I'm like, okay, yep. you're, you're kind of fucked up. I'm like, that's, that's, that's fucked up. Like it doesn't bother me anymore, but yeah, no, it's your body, at least mine. It starts to crave that weird. 
I don't know what it is, but it's like my body's just ready for it. It's like I know what's coming. Like uh-huh. feed me, feed me. So, so I like that. I'm stoked for you, man. I, I'm stoked to hear that you're about to sign with them. They're phenomenal. Um, that whole organization just seems to be top class. Yeah, like, I really ended well up, run, So I literally and the, it was that place. Them, it's a hundred percent who you know. Like yeah. being around Matt Choi and yeah. all these like. As soon as they heard that, like they sent me an email and I was like, Eric Hinman, Matt Choi. Like I just, I am in the right places at the right time. Yeah. Yeah, and, you absolutely are. And I, that, that's, I think that's a great way to start is you're Austin based. Uh, we connected through BPN, which is, um, has a huge community and I, I believe they're based in Austin, right? Is that yeah, right? Yeah. Round Rock, North Austin. Yeah. So Phenomenal place to be an up and coming athlete, um, a budding athlete, or even just somebody who's trying to do awesome things on social media, like Matt Choi. Like he's not an elite athlete, but he just does content really, really well. Yeah. Uh, what is it about Austin? Like, why is that the mecca seemingly for anybody trying to break into that space? Yeah. And we were actually, Drew Darby and I were talking about that like two or three days ago when we were out in uh, the LA area because LA is really like you see the same things like, Mm -hmm. and he said, what will be the next Austin? And I'm like, I don't think that there will be another one. I think that, I think that Austin is it. And that's what people have found. Number one, a hundred percent. It's, it's the weather. Like it's, 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 it's 90 degrees every single day. Um, I haven't been down here in the winter yet, obviously, but people can train year round, you know, 40 degrees here, everyone's freezing, but 40 degrees as a runner or like, you know, or as an athlete that does things outside, it's a, that's not bad. Right. Um, and I, I think number one is the weather and the weather correlates into people being outside more, people being outside more correlates into groups. And we have, I always say, uh, I said this a lot on podcasts, you have, if there, if you have something that you love, Austin has a club that has 50 people that will do it with you. It doesn't matter if it's running, biking, swimming, lifting, basket weaving, uh, golf, basketball, like it, there's, there's groups for all of that, that meet at certain times throughout the week. And that community is what draws people in. But I truly believe that it starts with, starts with the weather and, mm-hmm. and, because I saw it in LA, you know, mm-hmm. the weather was nice. We were, you know, we were, um, Santa Monica beach. We were at Huntington beach and people are out running and enjoying, you know, skating and, and surfing and all that. And I'm like, it, it starts with the weather. If people can find a nice weather area, there's going to be more people doing things. Right. Right. Makes sense. I wish I could say Charlotte was going to be the next uh, budding city for something like this, but I I can probably safely say it's it's not going to be Charlotte. Charlotte's great. I mean, we do have pretty mild climate, mild winters, and everything, but um, the community's not there, man. And that's the key piece, yeah. right? And that's what you're talking about about these clubs. Like, you're in a basket basket weaving. Cool. They got courses. They got clubs down the way. You'll find it, right? Yeah. Um, that's curious to me about to hear you say that about LA too. I know LA is obviously like outdoors. Everybody's trying to get outside. Was there anything unique about LA that you kind of learned being there this past weekend or, or as far as, you know, uh, outdoor communities or, or doing kind of what we're doing? Yeah. So like the big thing in Austin is like run clubs, like Mm -hmm. you have endorphin run club on Monday. Um, 
I'm going to mess this all up. Anyways, now I'm not going to say the days. Endorphins, raw running, um, easy Joe's running. Uh, I mean, you have so many run clubs. I'm going to, I'm going to mess this all up. You have so many run clubs and going out to LA, like in meeting, you know, more athletic people, they're like, yeah, uh, uh, we met at this run club and at this run club and that run club. And then Cam, uh, Cam Mallory, like she, she is running the Newport or the Huntington beach run club. And Abby, who I stayed with in Santa Monica is getting ready to start the, um, endorphins run club for LA. Mm -hmm. And so that was a big thing is I'm like run clubs like that. Like it sounds exactly like Austin. Well, that's people getting outside and connecting because there's good weather. Mm -hmm. And, uh, at, you know, we'll dive into this, but at mile 50, um, of the out and back, uh, we hit the beach and there was hundreds of people that like, we're running this unsanctioned race through the boardwalk and there's people everywhere running, skating, drinking, surfing, partying, tailgating. Um, and I, it was just, it was cool to see. I was like, this is a Saturday and like, it's hot, it's October. It's, you know, like, was, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I went out to New York and uh, a couple weeks ago for a race. And I said, if you would pick up New York and put it in Texas, I would live in New York. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want the cold because it's the same thing out there. Run clubs, 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 people yep. getting together, fitness. And then when I was in LA, I was like, Oh, like I could, I could live in LA. I could live out here for sure. Hell yeah. so, which is super cool because Austin is really, you know, once I got out of the military, Austin's really only the, the only place that I've lived, um, freely, you know, and as an adult. Um, so it's pretty cool. I'm like, man, like I could just move to LA if I wanted. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've been in Austin how long now? Uh, I got here uh, super like last couple days in February. So March, April, May, June, July, August, September, eight months. Okay, cool, man. Wow. Yeah, we, we talked a couple months ago, and I think that you had just moved there and we're just kind of getting used to that community and everything. And you've obviously thrived since you've gotten there, which is awesome. I don't want to get too too far into the background, but I'd love to know. I've never asked you this personally is, um, you know, like, ultra running, what, what led it, led you to ultra running in the first place? Um, I know that you also have dabbled with Ironmans and you've done marathons and you know, the list goes on, but it seems like ultra running is kind of the thing for you, the end all be all. Uh, what was your introduction to, to that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've kind of spoke on this before and I think that, um, you know, I grew up with, uh, you know, I grew up, I had a decent upbringing, you know, my, my mom was, was doing the most she could single mom. Um, my grandparents bouncing back and forth, but I didn't have like the best, you know, like we struggled a lot. And I feel like as I grew up, like we always just struggled. There was always something that was hard or the, the next thing. And, and, um, I feel like, you know, becoming an adult that I was so used to that struggle, um, that I ended up chasing that into endurance sports and, not a lot of people know, but, uh, right out of high school, I started, uh, I started racing. Um, like when I was in high school, I started racing go-karts and then out of high school, getting out of high school, I started like professionally racing, um, dirt cars, uh, across the Midwest. Oh yeah, brother. That was hell yeah, brother. <laughs> that was actually uh, Charlotte. The Charlotte dirt track is yep. having the, the last world of outlaws race this weekend. Nice. Um, 
but yeah, so that was kind of my, um, you know, that was hard. Like, like, you know, that was kind of me chasing some adrenaline fix. Um, and then I got moved out to Virginia and stationed in Virginia in 2021. And I, I had to give that up. Um, so I needed, you know, I needed something to fill that void. And that's when I started, we were in Roanoke, which isn't far from the North Carolina border there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, like the mountains. And so I just started running. I started running mountains and I was running trails and just, I didn't know I was good at it. You know, later, obviously we found out like, like, you know, holy shit, like I'm, I'm good at this. But at that time, yeah, like I was just trying to find that, you know, that filler for the adrenaline and the struggle and the, you know, chasing the, the hard at the time, I didn't know I was doing that. But now looking back, it was definitely, you know, definitely an adrenaline junkie slash, you know, chasing that suffering. Mm-hmm. And you and I, last time we talked, we talked about last year kind of being your coming out party, so to speak. Um, you had done really well in a couple races. Talk me through that year and, you know, coming in as relatively unknown to kind of exiting that year with a little bit of momentum leading up to, you know, the Ironman followed by the, the go one more marathon, or I think the awesome marathon or whatever it may yeah. have been. Um, talk about that sequence of events and how you kind of put yourself on the map, so to speak you know, spent 2021 running the entire time and didn't really, I had no clue what I was doing. Like I was, there was, I would go out and I'd run 18 miles, like, and had no clue. So then I started, that's when I found Nick Bear because I started getting really sick and I wasn't eating and I wasn't fueling myself right. And then once I found out how to fuel myself right through Nick Bear, then I started studying and like reading more and finding out more. And, and then that led later into coaching, but once I got dialed in, I was like, okay, like, let's, let's do this thing. So I signed up for a race in, I want to say it was November of 21, where I did a 20 mile trail race in West Virginia. And I think I finished like fifth or sixth overall. Um, and I was like, holy crap, like, this is, this is so cool. Like the vibe of the trails. It was awesome. Um, fast forward to that month. I got into the, the very first go one more marathon Um, January, I went out there and I ran sub three, my very first marathon, 259.52. And Jeff Cunningham came up to me and he's like, Hey, like, like, how did you, how did you train for this? And I'm like, I, I, I ran. (laughs) He's like, you didn't do any like threshold max VO2, like track work. And I'm like, no. And he's like, okay, like, here's my phone number. Call me. And so then I got, I ended up going with the Ironman route. I went with Natasha Vandermeer um, through NVDM and they are, they are elite. Natasha is phenomenal. Um, and she started, you know, I started coaching through there. I, I was being coached through them. That was the first time I ever had a coach. Um, did an Ironman block. Uh, so yeah, so January went sub three at BPN. Uh, took February off March during the Ironman block in March. I won the Des Moines half marathon um, with a 120. That was pretty cool. Uh, April went down to Arkansas to this trail race. Um, it was a 50K. I won that and set the course record. Um, and then May, I took off. June, I raced Ironman. Uh, went ninth or 10th overall uh, in my age group. Um, thought that was super cool, but I'm going to be honest. I hated Ironman, like, because I didn't get to that. 
suffering. Like mm. as soon as I was like, man, I want to be done with this swim. The swim was over. And then as soon as, you know, you get to that mental dark place on the bike, then the bike's done. And then, you know, you get to the mental dark place on the run and it's over. So, you know, that's when I kind of knew I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm chasing like the pain cave. Mm. Were these full or halves? Full. Yep. Damn. Just, yeah. Yeah. So I did a, I did a full right off the bat. Um, mm. Went like 10 hours, 10 hours and some change. Um, did very well, but just was like, I don't know if this is for me. So then I started just running some more. Um, that was in May or that was in June, July. I did a 40 mile run with the American flag for charity. That was my longest run to date. Got into Leadville. That's a whole nother story. Got into Leadville super late. Um, didn't train, had only ran 40 miles, made it to mile 87, got cut off by time. And that was like the, the that lit the fire. Me, me getting cut off at Leadville, um, that, that lit the fire where I'm like, okay, like, you know, next year is going to be, is going to be awesome. So I took some time off, uh, came into January and February. I did the Austin half just for fun. I don't even remember what I ran 123 or something like that. Like I signed up like the day before we were down here for the BPN marathon or BPN athlete weekend. And someone was like, Hey, like I have a bib and I was like, oh, I guess I'll race it. Um, and then, yeah, then that led me into, uh, the, the BPN marathon in March of 2023. Um, or I'm sorry, in April where, uh, we set the goal to win it and we won it with a 252, um, which obviously like, you know, is not a super elite time. Uh, you know, but it was fun to go out there and race against Seth. Um, and, and Seth was on my ass. That's a hard course too. It is a hard, it, it is a hard course, but like I wanted to go sub 250, but it was just Seth and I racing that thing. And he was on my shoulder the whole time. And we were like, it was fun. We were chatting with each other, but like we were both, we, we were, we were both going for that win and it, and it oh, was yeah. just who's going to drop the wheels first? Is it going to be me or is it going to be you? And uh, I had a little more in the tank at the end, but huge thanks to him for, man, he, he, he really pushed me there. So we won that. And then uh, six days later, I was unable to defer Ironman months before. So six days later, we sent it at Ironman Texas and PR'd the Ironman. Um, but during that race is when we, I have no idea why, but in stride, um, mile 24, my left foot landed and it felt like someone, I explained it in two ways. It was like a tens unit on my leg just exploded or I was hit by a lightning bolt mm. and I knew that something was very wrong. Got to the finish line, couldn't walk, had to be wheelchaired to the medical tent. Um, and I fractured, I fractured my tibia. Damn. Um, but you did fit, you ran through and finished. Yeah. I ran the next two miles and and finish yeah. it out uh i ran like a like a 327 um off the bike yeah. and uh, dude i i was just like i was at such a high because i couldn't believe like i couldn't believe how fast we were going like because i didn't train for iron man like i didn't train for it at all really? whatsoever like i didn't train like i was just running mm. and coming off that bike i had one lap to go eight miles and one of my buddies is like dude you're t like, like the time that I'm at, he's like, you're at nine, nine thirty, And I'm like, I'm and I didn't believe him. I'm like, no, I'm not like, like he's running next to me. I'm like, no, I'm not like, like, like you check it again, check it again. And I'm getting mad at him. And he's like refreshing his phone. 
He's like 9.30. And I'm like, that's not right. And because I couldn't believe I was going so fast. Right, right. And sure enough, like we went like 10, 10.40s, I think. Yeah, because like the best of the best triathletes and Ironmen are doing what? Like eight something is like phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. So like, 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 like your pros, your pros are going to are gonna go in the eights. Um, I, in my opinion, uh, t- sub, sub 10 hours is, is very elite. Yeah. Um, and we That's went like, 10, we were 40 minutes off, yeah. um, with no training, which is really kind of like, I wish I really loved Ironman as much as I do ultras because I've had many, many top tier coaches. Like, like my, my Ironman coach that worked for NVDM told me, he's like, he's like, you could be a pro. Like, like, like if you would just actually focus on this, you could, you could be a pro triathlete. Mm. And I'm, I, I'm, and I just told him, I'm like, I just, I don't, I don't want to. And, you know, I think it's just because I can't, I can't, I'm sure I could find that hard place somewhere in Ironman, but, but the ultras and the running those distances is just, it, it just, it, it grabs me. And um, and I also hate swimming. Like I, I, I don't think I hate anything more than having my face in water for over an hour, trying to breathe and stay alive. <laughs> like, yep. like the thing is, is like that's what I tell people about Ironman. That like I don't think anyone, anyone really thinks that deep into it. Where it's like, like we're not made to swim. Like, like <laughs> if I stop swimming, I die. right Right. while people are like punching and kicking you simultaneously too yeah yeah grabbing your feet and like like that iron man's crazy because of that you know and a lot of people don't think that is like you know they just think oh yeah you know you swim 2.4 miles that's crazy and i'm like yeah but like if i was to just stop and sink i'm dead right well before you continue with the race trajectory i there's a lot of things i want to break down that you just went over the first being kind of the starting point or one of the starting points, which was the marathon where you went sub three on your very first marathon. And JD comes over to you and is like, what are you doing, son? Like, what are you eating? Something's, something's yeah. good. Something's <laughs> cooking right here. I'm, I'm very curious because it would have been very easy for you to say, all right, let me go become elite at marathon. And instead you went a different route. What was your mindset behind that? And not trying to get dialed in maybe on marathon when there was the, seemingly a great opportunity to work with an elite coach and you really didn't put a ton of effort and practice into, well, I'm not going to say that, but yeah, as no, far as, right. yeah. Yeah, you know, as far as uh, elite training going into that race. So why did you decide not to go down that route? You know, I mean, just because like, to me, <clears throat> I don't think I wrap my head around the fact of like, and I don't think a lot of people know that mar- like there's a small gap in marathoning that is like the, the, the very small gaps of elite, like mm-hmm. very small. Two, 255 is elite, 250 is elite. But when you drop below 250, like you, like, like you ran an elite time, but then you have this gap from 230 to 245. Yeah. I, I would argue that I did not run an elite time. I mean, I think sub, you know, 230 is, is really the elites, you know right. what I'm saying? Right. But when it comes down to the people that Jeff Cunningham coaches yeah, and the people that are here local in Austin, they are the people like I spoke to Jeff on the phone after BPN marathon number two. And this was a year later, a whole year later, we talked again and Jeff's like, what are you doing? Like, co- like, come on. And 
I ran a 252 and I was going to be the slowest person on the Bat City Track Club team by far. Yeah. You're not even invited unless you can go sub 255. And like I said, there's that big, there's a big gap here where when you get to these elite marathons, if you went to run CIM and you ran a 245, you are 200th place. Mm-hmm. And that's elite. If you run a 235 at CIM, you're 100th. How elite is that? If you run a 225, you're top 50. Everything below that, you're almost to an Olympic level. Now, these numbers don't sound far off, but obviously, if you're a marathoner and you're listening to this, you know just how drastically huge these differences are. To me, it was like, okay, like, I could go run marathons and I could stick to a single sport like a hundred people tell me to, and they're like, dial in and be the best. And I could be a middle of the pack 230 runner at elite marathons, or I could go and I could cherry pick at these random, you know, hometown marathons and just blow everybody out of the water and think I'm cool. Yeah. Do what I did, bro. Run downhill. (laughs) (laughs) That's CIM. CIM downhill. You know, I mean, it's just... There's just something, there's something about a greater distance to me that seems like it's such a, in my, for me and me alone, everyone else that like they're in there. I think that these marathoners like Mitch Ammons are, are crazy, you know, like, like, like they're phenomenal athletes in my own life. In my own opinion, I think that there's a better story for me to tell in 20 years when I say, you know, I ran a hundred miles in 16 hours. I ran the Leadville 100 in 28 hours. I did, you know, UTMB and, you know, moving the body for that long, there's a 0.00000s all the way percent of people that can do that. And that, that, that's kind of why I like that. I truly think that like, like if you're a sub three runner, you can be coached to a two, two fifty, two forty easily mm-hmm. um, if you're committed enough, but not everyone can run a marathon and then run a hundred miles. And for me, it was like, I want to be that guy. That's like, I want someone to look at me and be like, Oh yeah. Like Matt Johnson. Yeah. He could do an Ironman, a marathon, a hundred miler, a Spartan race, uh, a Murph, uh, a, a 305 pound deadlift tomorrow. And like, to me, like, that's like, that's cool. Like, like that's, that's awesome. Like that's the hybrid mindset. Mm-hmm. And you know, I want to, I want to dabble in all of it. I want to try it all out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out me working with Jeff whatsoever. Um, yeah. you know, at some point, you know, there's seasons for everything. Um, but right now the season I'm in is like, how far can I push until I break? Yeah, which we'll get into in a little we'll bit and, and chat about. <laughs> but uh, I, I resonate with you so much on that, man. I mean, the one, the ceiling's just a lot higher with Ultra, um, first and foremost, because there's a lot less people willing to do it. You know, you and you are a unique individual to want to endure that suffering um, that we both know comes with it that's – you know, it's almost, uh, there's, there's a lot of joy in the suffering, man. There's a lot of joy in that journey and, uh, self, self peace that comes with it. 
which yeah. is my favorite part about it. And just figuring out, um, you are who you say you are and who you think you are. And you never know that more than when you cross the finish line on a hundred mile race, man. It's, it's yeah. crazy feeling, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so one other thing I wanted to touch on that, that you mentioned was, um, not loving the Ironman's just because you haven't hit the physical limit and that point of like, holy shit, I'm, I'm toast, but I have to keep going, which is kind of crazy because that's, you know, everybody's like full exhaustion at the end of Ironman. You just didn't seem to hit it. Do you think it's because you had to keep some in the tank because you didn't want to blow up? And so you weren't able to fully push the limits of what you were capable and you never, you haven't done enough to be able to find where that limit is yet. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely believe that because like, you know, I, I have friends that, that do these Ironmans and they reach the finish line and they're collapsing. Like they, like they're giving it everything they got. Ironman one, Ironman Des Moines, 2022. I had a phenomenal swim. Like I had a 20 week block. Like I was more than ready for this at an elite level. I had a 70 minute swim, which is crazy. And then during my bike at mile 80, I think I, I accidentally, I was over pushing sodium and I started throwing up like violently while I was on the bike. And that slowed me down a lot for the last, uh, 40 miles or, you know, 30 some miles. And then I had a terrible run because I was still sick. So my time was like a, like a, like a 10 50, but I didn't have that ability to push hard the entire time. Like I just did this past weekend, you know, like mm -hmm. to where you're pushing the limits the entire time. And then Ironman Texas, I didn't train for it. So I wasn't pushing the limits. I was trying to survive. Thank God I did everything correctly. And like, you know, you never really know if you're gonna have a good race or bad race. I had a beautiful day. Um, everything went my way. Everything sat perfect in my stomach. Like I, I, it, it couldn't have went any better. Um, so I haven't hit that, you know, I'm not saying that others out there aren't, you know, I'm only speaking on my own, on my own experience. Right. Others, others will get there and do get there very much so. But for me, it's like, I think I had that bad race and then I had a great race. I had a bad race where I couldn't push hundred percent. And then I had a great race to where everything just went phenomenal. And I, I haven't, I haven't, yeah, I haven't been there yet, but I was talking to one of my friends and I'm like, I would love to just pop out an Ironman every year. Like just because it, it's still, it's still, it's still a good time. <laughs> it's just not like Bobby Dotrick, one of my friends races, like he has like four, four halves and like three falls this year. I'm like, dude, like that's like, that's insane. I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I yeah. don't want to do that at all. Now, 400 milers. I'm like, yeah, like, like, like let, let's roll it, which is, you know, two different ends of the spectrum, but really almost the same thing. So it's crazy how I'm like, you know, saying, Hey, no, I'm not going to do 12 Ironman or four Ironmans, but I'm gonna do four 100. So it's just, it's definitely a personal thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm in the same boat with you. I'd take a hundred or four hundreds all day, every day. Granted, I've never done an Ironman. The swimming is, is what scares me a little bit. Um, never grew up in the pool. Um, you know, during my hundred training, I was trying to do some cross training, just take a little bit of weight off the legs. And I never was able to get my cadence down in the pool, man. The breathing just fucked me up uh, time it's and hard. again. It's just, like, it's just when reps. I started, when I started with Natasha in 
I want to say late February of 22, uh, I couldn't even swim down to the end of the pool and back. And then March, April, May, three weeks, nope, three months of training. And I swam a 72 minute, 2.4 miles. Wild. So yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, very much help, you know, very much help from Natasha and coach Mike and NVDM knows what they're doing. They're producing elite athletes, but swimming is something where like you need to have a coach. You, you, you just, I just don't believe that you can do it on your own. Like running, you just, you know, you just start running and it's going to be okay. Swimming is a whole different animal. Yep. And, and yeah. And that was, that was the thing is I'm like, I, there was no way that I could have learned to swim by myself or had the mental fortitude to just try to figure it out. Yeah, you can brute force your way through running to a certain point, kind of like you did with your first marathon. Obviously, you Spartan up, and you're like, I could probably use some help that could yeah. uh, <laughs> that could help me build a block. But with swimming, it's like like you said, sink or, or swim. <laughs> really. exactly. uh, you don't know how to do it, and you get out there. Yeah, you're dead. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love your story so much because you have some phenomenal triumphs and some some of the highest highs, but you also have some of the lowest lows, which we'll break down a little bit of both. And I'll start with probably um, going back to the first time where you really experienced a, a tough failure, which was Leadville uh, last year. You know, you get all the way to mile 87, seemingly running a great race, like doing really well. And then the time cuts you off. What did you take away from Leadville 2022 that was like keeping you motivated and keeping you driven through the training for Leadville 2023? The, the biggest thing. I'm sure there was plenty that you learned, but like what was the biggest takeaway that was driving you towards this one this year? Um, you know, I think I kind of, I think I would kind of want to change that question a little bit. I think that the biggest difference for me that I found out this year during the race was I was, I gained so much mental toughness over, over Leadville 22 to Leadville 23. And I didn't even know that. Mm. Like when I went into Leadville 22, I thought I was like top shit when it came to like mentally tough. And I, you know, I had done all these, I'd done the 40 miler. I'd done the Ironman. I had done the marathon. I'm like, I'm a mentally tough dude. But then I remember the things that I experienced in that race and the things that I experienced this race. And I was, I was, I, I look at that person last year and Leadville 22 and I'm like, you're, you're, were mentally weak. And just, I think that I had gained a little bit of mental toughness, but who I am now and who I was then are completely two different people when it comes to pushing past those limits. Because this year I felt like I had something go way, way more wrong than I had last year. And we were still able to to push on and, and in my opinion, have a decently good time at 28 hours, you know, finishing Leadville, obviously, you know, is, is key. There is like, you know, is the big, you know, we finish, yay. Um, but you know, I went 28 hours, um, with six blisters on the bottom of my feet that st- by the, I had six blisters on the bottom of each or like on each foot. I had 12 blisters that we were popping with forks because we were running out of blister kits and, and we were duck. I used to probably seen the video. We were duct taping my feet, and I remember like snapping a shot in my brain this year, where 
like I, I was like, I need to remember this moment because it was the worst pain that I had ever been in, in my life. I'd never been in, in worse pain than that. Like what you would imagine walking on glass feels like that is, that is the only way that I can say is that I spent almost 30 miles from the point of like, this is the worst pain of my life. I walked, walked slash jogged 30 miles, feel mm -hmm. like feeling like I was walking on glass. And last year I just didn't have the legs. And I, my legs hurt. I was tired. Um, you know, I couldn't run because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't conditioned enough, but there was no other problems in the fact that my legs just were, were destroyed. And I'm like, man, like if you would have put me now with those legs last year, I would have, I would have kept on trucking. Like I could have been faster. I could have, you know, sucked it up. If I would have had more knowledge, I could have, you know, used, um, you know, muscle gel or lidocaine or, you know, a Theragun or something like that. So I would say definitely like mental toughness was the biggest difference between last year and this year. And I knew, I knew the course, I knew where the lows were going to come. I knew where the highs were going to come. I knew what was going to happen. And that was, that was key. Like I, I've said mm -hmm. before on podcasts and Instagram posts, like failing Leadville in 2022 is the greatest thing to ever happen. I also had a great support crew. I mean, way better than last year I had nobody oh really yeah 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 so I had I had one pacer last year um and I didn't even know her she was found from a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend and then I got her number the day before the race and she drove in from wherever the hell she was from wow. and met me at Twin Lakes inbound I didn't yeah. even know like, like I knew her name that was it and this year like I had, had a my squad. Entire, yeah my entire crew I had my friends um, you know, I strategically placed my pacers where I knew that they could help me the most and, you know, strategizing mental toughness, friends, family. Um, but yeah, that, I, I, that was, that's probably the first thing, man, is having that good support group. Yeah. What I wanted to ask was like, yeah, your fitness was probably a little bit better this year. Um, but was it though, was it significantly better? Or was it just that mental toughness? Do you think? Um, I mean, last year before Leadville, like I said, I had only ran 40 miles. Like that was mm -hmm. my biggest run. My biggest week was 80, uh, leading into Leadville. Remember because I, I had the injury at Ironman. Right. So leading into Leadville this year, I took 60 days off. I lifted weights to the fact where I, I got up to like 157 pounds, which for everyone that, you know, is listening, I was 127 in my lowest during my Leadville prep. So that's what 30 pounds, mm -hmm. not five, seven. Like that's, that's wild, wild built, built so much muscle was so strong that as soon as I was able to run again, I went 16, 30, these are miles per week, 16, 32, 86, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. And I had never touched over, over an 80 mile week. I had one 80 mile week before Leadville 22. And this year, I was able to, with the injury, kind of, you know, which is, it wasn't really that bad of a thing. With the injury, I was able to take time off, build the body, you know, with muscles that were ready to work. And then almost like a bodybuilder, right? I did a bulk and then I did a cut into the race. I got the legs ready with the 100 mile weeks. I did two 50s. One, I did a 52. I did a 50 overnight. And then I went and raced Leadville. Like I was so prepped this year. 
and so ready that, I mean, we were on pace for a 22 hour Leadville finish at mile 70 when shit hit the fan with the blisters. Mm -hmm. So, um, how exciting is it to like, be like, man, like, that's why I'm so fired up. Cause it's like, what can I do when I have that good day? When I have that day, like I had an Ironman where everything went right. Yep. And you've had that day, yep. you know, the stars where, align like, every once in a while. Yes. And when it does like that, that's, that's the day. That's the thing about this ultra sport is that the bad days fire you up and the good days fire you up. I mean, because the bad days, you know, once if you're able to have that mental fortitude where you look at it and you're like, man, like if, if this just wouldn't happen, it would have been better. And then you have that phenomenal day and you're like, oh, my gosh, like this is so great. I can do this again. Let me ask you this for selfish reasons, because my next hundred is uh, it's not anything like Leadville, but it's it's mountainous and um, it's my first trail run, which is kind of crazy. I've run 100 on, on the road, but I haven't run in the trail. So it'll be the first one. About the blister thing, is there anything preventatively you could have done differently to make that happen, or is that that's just is what it is? No, man, that was a um, that was a very bad choice that I ignored everyone else and made my own choice. Um, Nike sent me the, the the brand new trail shoe right before Leadville, um, and it was too big, mm. so they were having some shoe sizing issues. Um, I took it to the loop, the local running store, and they sized it as a size and a half too big. And my thought was, is in my ignorance was Nike sent me a shoe. Nike gave me a shoe. I'm going to wear it. <laughs> like, like I am like, I, I have to wear this shoe like that. Like people, people dream of that. Like, mm -hmm. and I was able to get, you know, like the, the local Nike Eakin got me this shoe and literally delivered it to my house. Here's your shoe. And I'm like, oh, like this is, this is insane. And so I took off in a, in a shoe that was a size and a half too big. So as I was going downhill, let me go this way. As I was going downhill, if this is the shoe, my foot is doing this and it's just mm -hmm. sliding in the shoe. And now if I'm, if it was flat, it would have been fine. But with the downhills, that was why I was having the blisters on the bottom of the feet and on the back was because on the downhills, the, the feet were, the feet were rubbing the bottom of the shoe. And then on the uphills, the hill, the heels were rubbing the back. And by mile 36, we had blisters forming by mile 62 back to twin lakes. Um, we popped them and I wasn't in pain. Then I, then when I picked up Casey, we, we got to a point, um, where like where I there it was it was it was falling apart fast like and luckily I, I I'm I'm grateful that I had had such a great race leading up because if I wouldn't have had that much time made up we walked Lauren McGetrick and I walked probably twelve of the last thirteen and a half miles walked like I was delirious. I was, cause I'd been in pain for so long. I was delirious. I was not eating the shit. Shit was hitting the fan everywhere, mm -hmm. left, right, up, down. It was going to hell. And yeah. yeah. So, um, I do, I do have a friend though, um, who has a, uh, a tape called Alpine armor. And what it is, is it's just a tape that you put on your feet. It's not for when you get blisters, it's to prevent the blisters. Got it. Um, so if you have any hot spots. Um, the Alpine armor is, is where you would kind of put that. Um, but speaking with her, 
um, she said that actually blisters are um, genetic. No because, shit. Yeah. So it has to do with um, how much you sweat and uh, how thick your skin is. So if, if you are getting blisters a lot and you can't figure out why, it's probably genetic. And uh, it blew my mind when she said that. So she's, um, and I don't want to speak wrong on this, but I'm, I'm 90% sure that um, she's half Japanese. Um, and she was telling me like, like that she sweats more. Um, so then she does a lot of hiking. It's uh, um, Amanda, um, Amanda is a Kirkamo. You know her? No. Okay. Um, so she sweats more and she lives out in Washington. She's actually getting ready to move to Austin, but um, she lives out in Washington and she hikes all the time. And she was showing me pictures of like fat blisters. Dog, I'm talking like, I'm talking like blisters on her feet. Yeah. And so she created Alpine armor, which is like, now she puts those on, on those spots where she gets blisters and it, and it stops it from happening. Sick. I'll, I'll look into that for sure. Um, I want not, not too bad. Not too okay. bad. I do have some new trail shoes that I'm breaking in this weekend, but it's two weeks before. So I'm a little bit nervous, but yeah. as long as this weekend goes, okay, I think I'll be fine. Um, but I wanted to speak to when, when you had mentioned, um, Casey picked you up and you were in bad shape, which is funny because she was like, yeah, when I picked up, uh, Matt, I said, what's the favorite, what's your favorite part of the day so far? And he was like, right now right here with you. Like, this is, this is it. Let's do it. And that speaks to just your mentality and like fighting through, even though you were in such bad shape physically, your, your mind was still really strong at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. And and that was like from my heart, like, like when I, when I was going up hopes pass, so I, I had hit, I had hit outbound and I had seen all my friends, Amanda, Austin, Abby, Mike, um, Lauren, and my mom, I'd seen everyone. And, then I get to Hope's Pass where you climb four miles straight up. It's brutal. And I remember climbing that and I'm like, all I have to do is go up, go down, go up and go down and I can see everybody. So once I went up, I was like, all I have to do is go down, go up, go down. And then I came up and I'm like, all I have to do is go down. And I, I think that's how I kept tracking that in my head. And then I got back and my brother, my little brother had moved to Utah um, in like March and he literally drove to Twin Lakes. And when I came into Twin Lakes inbound, he was there. And that like that fire, like I hadn't seen him since I moved in February. So I hadn't seen him in six months and I saw him there and picked everyone up. And yeah, yeah, we left. And she's like, what, what, you know, we were up, up in the mountain, you know, climbing the mountain talking and she's trying to just keep me talking. She said, what's your favorite part? And I'm like, literally like this right here. I was like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you guys. Cause you get bored. Like what you, sure. you know, like, like you get, you get so bored out there. And that was something that, you know, we'll break down here in a second about the, the LA race was something that Austin Claire said is he's like, we should have paced you sooner. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and we'll talk more about that, but that was something that was brought up was, you know, we should have been with you sooner to, to keep you fresh because when you have people with you and especially people that you love and admire and are your friends, it literally just, it's a dopamine drop. Yep. And, and, and it just, it brings you to life and yeah. goes yeah. a long way. So the last thing I want to touch on with Leadville, man, was, uh, the end. And it seemed like, I think I saw a video with you and your mom and you were able to cross the line with your mom and, um, speak to that, man. It looked like just such a phenomenal 
special moment um, that you'll never forget? Speak to that a little bit and how important that was for you. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom and I, my mom and I have been through the shit. Like I said, you know, she was a single mom. She was working, you know, two, three jobs to try to provide for me when, you know, when I was little, there was times where I would sit at the dinner table and eat by myself. And, you know, I mean, she would sit there with me, but I would be the only one eating because we didn't have enough money. Like 99 cents box of macaroni. And I would eat the whole thing at, you know, six years old because I didn't even know that she wasn't eating because we didn't have $2. And, you know, growing up like that and struggling and then now in life, you know, to where I'm doing good, she's doing good, but now I get to chase that struggle. And she wasn't at, she wasn't at Leadville, Leadville one. Um, she wasn't at Ironman this year. She wasn't at, uh, the BPN marathon cause no one was allowed. Um, you know, so she hadn't seen me race all year and, you know, everyone already knows I went through so much shit at the beginning of the year that like, that was just kind of like, like that was, that was a really special moment for us because it was like, that was the last thing that we kind of had to conquer this year to like, you know, to, to get it done. And, and having her there when I did that was, was awesome. Um, I thought that my, I thought this was the the part afterwards where I'm like, damn, like that sucks. I thought everyone was coming with me. Hmm. Like I thought that my crew was coming and that we were all like going together and they saw me with my mom and they're like, Oh, like, like we're just going to pull off. So they pulled off. So I didn't even know until I finished that. Like it was, it was just my mom and I, which was like, it was a cool shot, but like, I, I wish that we all would have, like, I wish we all would have, I thought we were all finishing together. And, uh, there was just it, all, all the emotions got everyone all like Casey is just bawling. And like you're know, pulling off the course and and it was it was chaos. But the cool thing is is like, you know, having that on video is gonna be something that, you know, I mean, 30, 40 years from now I'm gonna be looking at and remembering those emotions. Absolutely. Phenomenal moment. It was pretty cool to see that that post it a couple of months ago. And then you transitioned to a new challenge. So you had kind of signed up to do 400s in a span of like four-ish months, I believe. Um, the next one is, was this past weekend, like what, two days ago, three days ago now. Yeah. Surf, it's sun to saddle. surf. Saddle, yeah, saddle to surf. Saddle to surf. So this is out in LA, uh, you and and shout out to the homie, uh, Manny Fresh too, for for pulling through this past weekend. But He's a you, dog. Bro. He's a dog. He's a dog. So you guys took this one on. This is totally different from level. This is a road race. Uh, was there much elevation change? You know, no, like there, it was like 4,000 okay. over, over, you know, a hundred miles. But the thing was, is like when the race, it was oddly set up. So it starts in Norco, California, mm -hmm. and it starts at this, this hundred mile club, the hundred mile HQ, which is a super awesome charity that like helps fight childhood obesity gets kids out running like they have a whole foundation where like kids run miles it's it's awesome so 100 mile club look them up it's super cool um but it starts like up in this parking lot and you go down immediate downhill like down to the road and then you bring this road and it comes around and where i'm going with this is like there's like a thousand feet of elevation gain in the first like 20 miles and that that's not a lot but the way that it, the, 
the way that the hills were was a it was tough like mm -hmm. i was i was not prepared for that um because we we there was like three 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 sections where you're climbing for like two miles just climbing and it wasn't anything compared to Leadville, but all of those hills were like within like five miles of it. It was, it was like five miles of like absolute, we are climbing and we are descending and we are climbing and descending and going up over, you know, interstates and stuff like that. So most of the elevation was right at the very beginning and then you turn around and right at the end. Okay. Got you. So walk me through the race. Um, so unfortunately you weren't able to finish this one. You had a pretty severe injury, uh, mile 73 ish or something like that. Walk me through the race up to that point. Yeah. Um, okay. So the way it's very, it was a very small race. Like we didn't really, we didn't actually even understand how small it really was. Um, I think that there was only eight people running the 100. Oh, wow. Tiny, yeah. tiny, tiny. Um, wow. If I am correct, out of the eight, I think four finished. Um, I had that information. Uh, she, the, the director had sent it to me, but um, it, it's, it's a charity race. So it's a race to, but it's been, it was like the route was changed and then it was like taken off the map for a couple of years and they didn't run it. And this was the first year back. So they're trying to build it back up. Mm -hmm. I'm going out next year. They, they have a hundred mile relay. So we're already talking about going Let's out talk. and just throwing, talk. Down, throwing down in LA. Um, but yeah, so it's super small. Um, and yeah, so we take off, you get it through the hills and then you get onto this bike trail and you're on this bike trail for 30 miles. Wow. Like like 35 miles maybe. And it was very odd the way that they have this structured because you leave the HQ and you run three miles, then you enter this park, like or this middle school. And it's, you know, I, like I said, it's a kid's charity. So they have kids that are, there's a half mile loop where all the kids do their like 100 mile club runs. And dog, I had to run 14 loops. At mile three, 14 loops with these kids, which was awesome. It was super cool. We were with the kids. There was parents there, you know, it was cool. But like, I'm like, way to just fuck somebody's head right oh, yeah. off that 14 half mile loops. So I had to run seven miles in a circle. And then you exit there you go about 10 miles, you get on the bike trail and it's 35 miles of bike trail. Um, and there's a time like it, but this is through LA. Like, mm -hmm. like we're running the, sh like, this is not, there's no aid stations. There's no, there there's was no, no aid stations throughout the whole thing. No. And there's no timing mats. There's nothing. There wow. was a, when we left the circle at mile 10, they said, okay, like I was first one out, like, you know, Matt Johnson's in first. And then we made it to a brewery or a, a gas station um, that was marked on the map where we had to text and say, Matt Johnson just left this gas station. No and, way. And then there was a brewery where we had to exit the, we had to exit like the, the trail yeah. and run, run a block to the brewery and say, Hey, and check in with the guy that was there, the race director, he was at the brewery and then check in at 53 miles mm -hmm. and then turn around and do the same type of check-ins. So you had to have, there was no, no aid stations, no nothing. You had to have one vehicle and two crew members that were with you at all times. I thought mine was, was fairly small. I think we had a, 
I mean, we at least had close to a hundred people doing the hundred miler. Um, so I, when you were saying small, I thought it was closer to that, but that's, that's pretty crazy. No, the lack I, of in infrastructure just takes it to another level of difficulty because you don't have the check-in. So you're totally reliant on, on these two people rolling with you the whole time, basically. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. Like I'm looking up right now, there was four, yeah, four people finished the hundred. Um, 50%. Manny, Rocky, Joel, and Oscar. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> nice, man. Well, uh, we'll talk, break down um, the breakdown, I guess, at, at 73. Did you feel, was this something that came abruptly? Was this something you kind of felt coming? Talk to me, so, talk me through that. Yeah. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to backstep a little bit. So we talked about what happened during Ironman and we talked about like that, that fracture, we let it heal. Um, and then I was able to run, you know, the hundred mile weeks. Like I was doing no intensity, just miles. Like, like life was good. Then we set this goal of an 18 hour hundred. Um, I hopped on with a coach and we started doing speed work. Um, and we really like, we took the intensity from zero to hundred. And I started kind of noticing like some pain in that left leg, um, during the track work, which I thought was just shin splints, you know, like thinking that, okay, the intensity is rising, but that should have been red flag number one. Um, then I had the opportunity to go out to the Bronx and race that 10 miler in between Leadville. So two weeks after Leadville, I raced the Bronx 10 miler, two weeks after the Bronx 10 miler, I raced saddle to surf. So at the Bronx 10 miler, um, we were racing on the street of the Bronx and I didn't trip. I didn't roll an ankle. I didn't do anything. There was just an area where there was like a pothole and it was just enough down like an inch and a half to where like when I was striding, I stepped in it and it was just hard enough that like I felt that same exact shock wave up the leg, like the tens unit, the lightning bolt. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Oh fuck. And I was able to finish the race, but I was limping. And I got in the compression boots in New York and, and tried to stretch it out. Um, I, I, I couldn't. And then I started doing physical therapy. We were doing dry needling. We were doing work, work on the calf, like trying to figure it out. I didn't run, but twice um, leading up to the saddle to surf. Um, and the second time was the day before the race. Uh, we went out. I went out with Drew to do a shakeout run. And I made it five minutes and I had to stop because the pain was so bad. Damn. The day before the race. And we went inside and sat on the couch and like, we're like, we need to figure out what the fuck we're going to do. Like, are we going to do this or are we not going to do this? Or is it even possible? And truly, man, other than me praying about it over and over and over again all night, there is no reason why I should have even made it to that start line the next morning because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, because I, I mean, there, there was Drew and Abby were there. They saw, I, I could not, I, I didn't like, I have the, I probably, the Strava is probably there. It's less than five minutes. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't run and, you know, just texting my grandmother and I'm like, pray for me and I'm praying for myself. And I'm like, you know, please just, and man, I took off on, I took off on race morning and I had, I was uncomfortable, but I had no pain. And I don't know how to explain that other than the fact of prayer. Yeah. Um, 
So that happened. So then, but the very odd thing is I think because of compensation and the race director told me this, now no one really knew what was going on. And the race director told me when we pulled and we had to go back to HQ that night, he goes, I saw you at the park running in circles. And I said that something was off with your mechanics. Mm. And that was miles, that was mile three to three to 10. Yeah. Which I couldn't sense that in myself. Um, but that tells you right there at mile 20, I had to, I, I sat down literally on the bike path and drew Darby and Austin Claire were crewing me. And I'm like, y'all, I'm tired. I'm like, my legs hurt. I'm I, like, like, I'm very tired. Mentally, fine. Everything mm -hmm. was great. Life was good. I'm vibing. Everything below the waist was, I was fatigued. And it was funny because Austin Claire's only, I think he's only crewed one uh, Leadville a couple years ago. And Drew said like, he walks away and Austin's like, is that normal? And Drew's like, absolutely not. And so I'm going to, I'm going to say at mile 20, I wasn't ready to, to accept it yet in my head that like the wheels were going to fall off. Um, and the fact that Manny was behind me was just pushing me more and more. Right. Um, and I, I knew that like, I knew if I had a chance, that's what I told Drew is I'm like, if I have a chance to go sub 18, I'm not pulling out. Like, I was like, I was like, I like, if the chance is there, we're like, this is it. Like, we're going to go for it. And made it to, uh, I want to say, made it to 53, turned around and probably made it back to like 56. And I sat down in the chair at 56. And they were theragunning my right side because my right side was was locking up because it was compensating for my left. And I didn't know this at the time. I couldn't figure out why my right side was so messed up, but they were theragunning me to the point where like, I was almost, I, I wanted to throw up. I was in tears, like with a theragun, mm. with a theragun. Mm. And then we made it, we made it back to the brewery, which is at like 65. Um, and I, I kept having to stop and like stretch. Like I, like then my lower, my lower right side of my back, and my right glute like kept like locking up that I have to stop and bend over and just like hang my body. All these things I've never experienced ever. Then we made it to about 68 and had another aid station stop. And I think that you probably, there was a picture of me laying on the ground face, like face down. And in, like I had, she said it was like, she said it was like she could physically, like she could feel it. Like my entire hamstring was knotting up. Like, she, she, she said, like, she's like, I could feel the knot and it just was deteriorating. Um, and then when I was with Cam right at about mile 71, uh, I bent down to try to stretch it out again and I couldn't stand up. Like, mm -hmm. like I squatted, I squatted down to try to stretch that glute and I couldn't stand up and Cam had to help me up. And I looked at her and I'm like, I can't, I can't run. And I could hear like my right side, like my foot would like kept scraping, like I couldn't pick it up. And right at the aid station, um, Manny and I were at the aid station at the same time. Like we both, like, like by that point, Manny, Manny was going and I looked at my watch 
And I did the math on if I was to walk, like I, I was trying to math it. You know how the runner's math goes. Mm-hmm. And I was going to finish that race in 27 hours. And I sat down and we were like, what do we do? You know, and I told Austin, Austin, you know, I was like, I was like, what? like, I don't want to pull out and wake up tomorrow and hate myself. And, and so I was like, I was like, you know, like, we're, we're going to go like, 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 let's, we'll figure it out. And I went to stand up and like, it was like my left side was going and my right side was literally like, I was stuck. I was, I was stuck in the chair. I couldn't, I couldn't stand up. And at that point, it's like, you know, if I'm compensating the left leg that much, it's going to snap. Like, 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 like if it is, if it is hurt to where my body has to compensate that much. And by this time I've been running for 16 hours, of course I can't notice it. And I guess a, a part that I skipped over at mile, mile 45, I made a phone call to probably my best friend, um, who I already spoke about Bobby. Um, he's a triathlete, um, and ultra runner, like, you know, can relate. And I called him and I think I was on the, like, I was in his truck, um, audio, him and his wife, and I'm fucking crying, bro. Like I am like, because I, I, I knew at 45 that it was coming. I just didn't know when. And at 45, I told them I was going to pull. I was like, I was like, I might have to pull at 50 and just, just like sobbing on the phone. And I think because I knew it was coming, but I just had so much hope. Like I had so much hope that I could push through and that I could do it. But there's just a point where you can push your body so hard. And at some point it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to say, I can't take it. Right. And making it to 50, like he had texted me and he's like, Hey, how you doing? And I was at mile 55 and I was like, I'm not opening that text message and telling him that like, I, I didn't, I didn't pull out because I, you know, at that point the, the, the sub 18 was, was in sights. And I thought if I could just move my body fast enough and one foot in front of the other, like I, I, I could do it. And then it was just rapid deterioration. And then I couldn't pick up the leg and then I couldn't stand up. And then I'm like, okay, even if I did drag myself, it's not, it's not worth because if I'm having to drag the right leg, where am I going to put all that weight right. on the left leg? And right. then the left leg snaps and we're fucked. So, so realistically, you know, you probably shouldn't have even hit the start line that day. Was it a sense of the accountability for saying like, hey, I'm doing four four hundreds in this amount of time that really pushed you absolutely. to start it? Is that what it was? It was, it was absolutely the fact that like – you know, you know, I, like I am such a big, like, I'm so big on like, be who you say you are. Like, like, and I've said that before, if you say you're going to do something, then do it. And to me, like, I said I was going to do it and I, I wasn't broken. I wasn't, I wasn't in a wheelchair. I wasn't, you know, I had to at least take the opportunity to try and, and to see, you know, and, and, when I took off, like, honestly, we, we had a game plan on, we were going to run to the middle school and we were possibly saying that we might have to pull at the middle school. And that was three miles. Mm-hmm. Like, like the day before we were like plotting points on like, you know, where is this going to happen? And I think 
you know, Drew Darby is, is a great friend of mine and, you know, works for Sally and has been to um, maybe triple digit ultras. Like Drew is very smart. And I think we all knew what was going to happen. And we were just hoping that it wasn't. Mm-hmm. But like I said, you, you know, and I think I, I said this in a post a couple of days before the race, your body doesn't give a fuck about your goals at all. It does not care about any single goal that you have. And that's the hard part that I think we have to fight as ultra runners or as ultra athletes, endurance athletes, is that at some point you have to, you have to slow down. And, you know, I will push myself until I find that, you know, I have found that I don't know what's wrong yet. I will find out what's wrong this week or early next week, but I found it, you know, I mean, I, I, I found it. I wish, you know, you make all these, I wish I wouldn't have done New York. If I wouldn't have done New York, this wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, but man, I had a hell of a time in New York and then part of me is like, I shouldn't even went out to LA. Like I should have just pulled out of the race, but I had a hell of a time in LA. Like we had a great time and it's all just, it's all part of the process. Like everything, truly everything happens for a reason. Like it's all part of the process and I don't regret going to LA. I don't regret going to New York. You know, it, it's all. You can't, man. It's part of your story yeah. now. It's part of your journey. It's part of the process and it's part of the comeback now for whatever yeah. that is. So that leaves me to ask, you know, how are you feeling right now? I mean, it's still so fresh, dude. It's like three days removed. Um, how are you feeling? Are you moving around okay? Yeah. Um, you know, the big thing, like, I mean, I, I like I walked into the house at 10 o'clock last night and um, then I had to leave to go get the dogs. You know, you and I talked. I had to drive two and a half hours to go get the dogs and then drive two and a half hours back. So I haven't really had much time to try to move around. Um the, you know, the biggest thing is because of all the compensating, like my muscles, my quads, my hamstrings are destroyed. Um, but I'm having a lot of weird pain in that left leg. Um, the good thing is that I'm taking out of this is that after Ironman, I couldn't walk. I was on crutches. I'm walking. Mm. I'm walking. So, you know, it, I don't think it's that bad. Um, but this is definitely, you know, it's definitely my body saying like, Hey, like I need you to allow me to fully heal. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of people that text me, called me, you know, are you okay? How are you doing? Like, I'm, I'm great, man. Like I, I had, you know, I had my moment where I think on the phone with Bobby at 40, 45, I think that was my come to terms with, I knew what was going to happen. And I sobbed and I cried and I felt like I let everyone down and, you know, but now, now that I look back at it, like what a hell of a performance and, you know, not, 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 not me, like not, not me performing. Like, like, bro, I put my body through it and it got me to 73 and I couldn't run the day before I could not run the day before you've read David Goggins book, right? Oh yeah. You know, when he talks about towing the line to that marathon and he hadn't he hadn't ran in weeks because his shit was broken. Yep. And then the gun goes off and he runs Flip and he switch. qualifies for Boston. Yep. Like like I I can't get over the fact of like 
Go look, Chase, go look at my Strava. Go pull up my Strava. You will see the day before the race, it's probably a four minute run, if that. Because I told Drew, I was like, dude, I was like, I can't, I can't. And then I show up the next day and I run 73. Yeah. 73. Wild, bro. And and you have to be, I mean, as heartbreaking as this whole thing is, man, like you learned a lot about yourself, bro. Yeah. And, and that mental strength and that you said was even more so this year at Leadville, which was even more so at this one, which going into the next one, I mean, holy shit, we're building a fucking monster here with your mental toughness and it just speaks to you and your resilience and um you finally found like kind of that breaking point dude i mean that we all are are kind of in a weird way looking for like we never want to hit it but we're always pushing the limits of like that's the thing with the road ultra too is like you're pushing pace so your body is either going to break or it's going to get to the finish but it's probably going to break shortly after if it doesn't at the finish line you know and that's that's the risk you run with trying to push pace on on a road ultra or anything like that or any ultra really but you know you know what i'm saying when you're trying to push the pace a little bit you're pushing on the flats yes and honestly man like looking at a lot of videos and like looking at you after your 100 like i did leadville and i was playing basketball two days later really and you, then you I'm looking, looking at your video of you walking to bed and the video of, I mean, granted, like, yeah, I was hurt, but the video of Drew picking me up out of the chair, something about these road ultras are different, bro. It's like, different. Because here's the thing, during Leadville, you walk for, you hike for 60 miles. You probably only run 40. Right. During these road ultras, you are hammering down, running for a hundred miles. Yep. And... Yep. They hit they hit different. They hit different. And it's it's funny, man. I won't go into the whole thing, but on my road ultra, 74, 75, that's where I, I got that pain in my leg, dude. And and I realized at that moment, it was kind of like you where you're stretching it out, you're stopping, you're you're trying to loosen it up a little bit. I stopped and I started going again. I had never felt more pain in my life. And I was like, if I stop again, I'm not starting again. So the last marathon, the last 26 miles, dude, I didn't stop. I had to use the bathroom so bad, but I was like, if I stop, I'm not going to finish this race. You know what I mean? And that's like, again, just speaks to like that mental, that mental barrier that we all want to get to and push past, you know, and and your body just couldn't do it anymore. Your mind could, but your body couldn't. And mine was damn close. Like I was sitting in the chair and he's like shaking his head at me. Like when, before we had even called it. And like, when we were, we talked about it for 10 minutes. Like I sat there for 10 minutes. We were talking about it and he's like shaking his head. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I can't believe how mentally with it you are right now. He's like, you like, like you are completely here. Yeah. And you know, we're at mile 75 or mile 73 and which isn't usually normal. And I'm like, I know like, that's why this is, that's why this sucks so bad. And yeah, it's just, yeah. California races are the way to go because they start at like, you know, 7 a.m. You should you should do your next one in California because then it's like, you know, 10 p.m. your time. And like I felt like a champ at the start line, bro. I was like, I'm rested. Like, like this is great. Yep. 7 a.m. start. I'm like it, it's nine o'clock back home. Let's let's roll. Yep. Yep. They're up here at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. on the East Coast, bro. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, thank you so much for for sharing that story, man. And and just being a little bit vulnerable there about the last week or so and, and everything you've been through. It's a phenomenal story and I can't wait to see where it takes you next. I am praying for a speedy recovery prayers up to you. Be thinking about you the next couple of months, 
do you realistically think like obviously you're signed up for two other ultras in the next two months it's probably not possible given the extent of the injury yeah so tunnel tunnel hill um is definitely out of the question uh that was going to be in november um i still i i still am having i still have brazos december 2nd um i mean that's two months yeah, you know, we'll if it, you know, I'm, I'm walking. So, you know, if this is something, but here's, here's the fine line that I'm going to play, no matter what the Brazos Ben 100, if I do it is going to suck because I'll have to heal and then I won't be in hundred mile shape. Right. Um, so we'll see. And, and it's think, also flat. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is flat. So I, I don't know. We'll see on that. My big thing that I, for some reason, have in my head is I want to run across the state of Texas. Oh, fuck yeah. And, uh, you know, a couple of people have done it. Uh, it's 800 miles from uh, east to west. And you start in El Paso and you run through Texas and you hit uh, Galveston. And right now the record, uh, from what I have read, I believe is 16 days. Um, at like 48 miles a day. Uh, if you do 50 a day, you make it there in 14. There we go. Challenge so, accepted from Matt. Let's fucking go, baby. I, I don't it. know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, right now I'm eyeing, I'm eyeing late March. Nice. Um, nice brother. so, you know, if it, if it, if I need to, I really want that for some reason, like that's really set on my heart. Um, you know, not, not really setting the record, but doing something like that is, is really been appealing to me. So, you know, if I have to take off October, November, and then start training December, you know, October, November, December, and then start back training January, February, March, you know, that would be the same thing as what I did for Leadville. Um, so I'm, 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 I'm keeping that as, as option a at the moment. Uh, if I can figure out how to make it work. So yeah, let's get a FKT man. Fastest known time. Something okay. about the unofficial official record of FKT is just like badass. Yeah, exactly. And like someone like we, we live in the world of social media, like you go on someone's profile and it's like, like Mike McKnight, Arizona FKT. And you're like, you just see that. And as a runner, you're like, Oh, like you're that guy. Like you're you know, that fucking, fucking dude. Doesn't even matter. Like, 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 like Mike McKnight could have one follower and it says Arizona FKT. And I'm like, I'm your second follower. <laughs> like, okay. like okay. yeah, FKTs, man. That's that's the way to go. Well, cool, brother. You're the man. Thank you so much for hopping on. I appreciate your time, especially on such short notice given the race and everything. But again, prayers up for you. Um, if if somebody wants to get in touch with you, where can they reach you? Uh, Instagram is the main place. Um, it's at Matt Johnson with two underscores. Um, yeah, that's number one. Beautiful. Great convo, man. Really enjoyed that. Thank you for stopping by. I appreciate you. Absolutely, brother. I appreciate you having me.